Turn with me to John chapter 8. Um, John chapter 8, if you got a Bible. Anybody got a Bible in here? Anybody? Come on. Yes, there we go. I'm trying to get one at each, each worship experience. There, there we go. Got two. Boom. We're making progress, y'all. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're killing this digital age and going back to analog. It's probably not going to happen, but we'll try We'll try it anyway, right? Last, last uh, worship experience, we had about six Bibles. Yeah, can you believe that? Six Bibles. So you don't need your Bible to attend this church. Don't worry about it. We'll have, we'll have it on the screen for you. And as well, if you got uh, your phone out, you can uh, download our Calvary Church app. You can have access to the Bible that way. So we've been in this series, Flesh, Jesus in and through us. Jesus in and through us. Now, before I, I, I begin today, I, I just want to bring some definition to this word flesh. Growing up in church, whenever the pastor or the preacher would say flesh, it would be my behavior, right? The other side of me that was opposing God or not acting the way I should. Y'all remember that? Anybody with me? Flesh. And then as you, you know, kind of get a little older and you experience grace, you decide and you commit to this journey with God, flesh starts to become our mind, the way we think, right? It's the carnal mind, flesh, the way we think. Do we have God thoughts? Are we thinking the way God thinks about us? Well, for this series, I want you to think in terms of flesh being this way. Jesus was the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's how John describes it. So when I say flesh, this is what we mean. It's Jesus expressing His life through you, through me. It's Jesus expressing everything that He has to give to the world, and He has a whole lot to give to the world through you, and through me. Huh, that's so good today because I believe Jesus wants to do extraordinary things through each and every single one of us. Listen, I was a guy that was in, uh, that just took the back seat. I was a guy that didn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't be in relationship with anybody. I was quiet all to myself until I realized how Jesus thought about me. You want to know what it produced? Confidence, assurance, changes the game. I'm not saying you need to be like David. I'm saying it's, it's powerful enough so that you can be you and be free in being you. The power of the gospel. And so today, week five, can you believe it? Week five of a six-week series. The first week we talked about this, incarnation. Flesh, right? Jesus came and dwelt among us. He became flesh. Second week, we talked about our reputation, how we, we have to earn the right to be heard from people. Shout out to any soapbox preacher out there, but you're not going to find me do it unless I'm preaching about the goodness of God, not condemning people. So I'm, you may see me at a street corner one day, but just know it's going to be a good message and not a condemning message. The third uh, week, we talked about this, conversation and confrontation, okay? 
uh, conversation and confrontation. Then last week, I loved it. We began something, uh, a new word that we were uh, learning about, and it's this, transformation. Transformation. We're going to end it today. But understand this, that all of us are infatuated with transformation. I love extreme home makeover. Anybody with me? I used to tune in every Sunday night just to see the change in that home. Transformation, right? Some of us even have a gym membership that we don't use because we want transformation. (laughs) Some of us have things in our life that we have set up because we want change in our life. Our society is obsessed with transformation. And so there are first decision Christian and second decision Christians. In other words, I'll say it like this, that every Christian is someone who's made the decision to trust in Jesus. Right? Now with that being said, hear me, not every Christian is necessarily an active disciple of Christ. Hey, I believe Jesus intended this life, this abundant life. I'll say it again, this abundant life, abundant life. What does abundant mean? Having more than enough. This abundant life. I'm not talking about possessions and money and cars and stuff. Although that stuff can be added to your life. What I'm talking about are things like joy, peace, kindness, love, right? Stuff like that. There should be abundance of that. And you know what's wrong with our society today is that we have everybody saying they have the right answer they have the right answer and Christians from their pulpits and their platforms and everything saying we have the right answer but can I ask one question are we enjoying this life I think that is the difference in the messaging whether we enjoy it or whether we're stressed out at home Because I believe everything that Jesus offered mankind, offered us today, is to find ourselves enjoying what he's done for us. Looking back at the cross and saying an emphatic, thank you. Thank you so much for doing what you did. I may not... I may not be where I want to be at, but I'm so glad that you did what you did for me. Because that is significant wow and all of a sudden everything changes and you start to embrace where you're at you know what's up with with america you know what's wrong with america we're always on a a chase on a wild goose chase for more and for better i gotta become better i gotta become more and listen those can be good things i'm not telling you to try for better stuff i'm not telling you to try for good things but we get so obsessed with it that we lose everything else. We lose our families. We lose our relationships. We lose our relationship with Jesus. We use the priorities. We lose them all for the sake of success. But there's this one thing that Jesus is reminding us about even today that to enjoy, to enjoy what he's brought in your life. Listen, you may be at a place right now where you may not enjoy where you're at, but if you can change your attitude, maybe you can start enjoying the good things in your life. You're not going to be there forever. Thank God. Thank God that his grace saves you. His grace keeps you, but his grace also carries you. And when you don't have strength, man, his grace carries you. So today we're going to begin 
What this simply means is this, all in a nutshell. Are you ready? Now let me pray first because I'm excited to share this with you. Okay, let me pray first. You ready, sir? Let's pray. With every head bowed, every eye closed in this place, come on, fix your attention on Jesus. He is the author of your faith. I love what was shared just a moment ago. Man, one faith. Whew. There's not two kinds of faith out there. There's one faith. One faith saying what he knows to be true about you. Lord, allow us to see and hear everything that you believe about us so that we can be transformed from the inside out. Thank you that we're receiving reassurance today. Thank you that for some of us it was a tough week. A week of uncertainty, a week of worry, heartache, pain. But God, your promise remains. You remain. It's the person of Jesus that brings us back to this place of reassurance. Because you live, so can I. Because you live, so will I. Because you live, so will I. And if you're glad for that, come on, give Jesus some praise. Come on, give him some praise. He's been good to you. All right, here we go. I'm going to make a statement, and I don't want you running out the room. Matter of fact, lock the doors. Don't let anybody out. I'm just joking. We won't ever do that. But I'm going to make a statement today, and it's going to frame our conversation. And I want you to journey with me for just a bit. It's this, that Christianity is not a behavior modification program. I'm going to say that again because so much of our history in the church has been focused on your behavior. And if you behave well, then you just might be a good Christian. And if you behave well, then you might be, you know, introduced to the rest of the club. If you behave well, then maybe God will bless you. Are you hearing me? Christianity is not a behavior modification program, meaning that it's not a surface level reformation. It's not a program where we kind of manage our sin, right? And we just try to become better uh, versions of ourselves along the way. Like David 2.0 in 2021. Are you hearing me? Christianity is not a makeover. Do you want to know what? It consists of. It consists of learning and becoming an entirely new creation. New. Everybody say new. new. Say it again. Say new. New is a good word. Doesn't it make you feel good? It lands right. I love new. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a what? New creation. There it is. Meaning that the old has gone, the new has been ushered in. If anyone, remember, I'm going to teach you how to read the Bible today because many of us, we grew up learning that the Bible has everything we need for our day, which it reminds us of everything that was done. 
So what we do is we read the Bible in a prescriptive way, meaning that it's like a medication for us. Well, if I have a need, if I have some trouble, then let me go to the Bible to prescribe myself some things. And then we read this verse and say, if anyone, well, if I'm in him, I don't feel like I'm in him. So maybe I'm not in him and I'm not a new creation. So we're not supposed to read the Bible in a prescriptive way, but a descriptive way. It's describing what's already taken place. So I read that verse. Team, if you could put that that verse up again. So I read that verse now in a descriptive way. Therefore, it's a conclusion. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you believe in Jesus, that he is good. Guess what? You're in Christ. It's not rocket science. It's not a hundred steps into religion. It's a simple, I believe. That's it. You're in Christ. Congratulations. Give God some praise today because he made it that easy for you. The gospel is simple. It's simple. It takes a good believer, a good Christian, a good little Christian boy and girl to mess up some simple things. So what we do as Christians is we receive that in our journey, at the beginning of our journey, and we say, thank you, God, you did it for me. You did amazing. You saved me from some stuff, and I thank you for that. But along our journey, as we move forward, as we move forward along our journey, somewhere in our journey, Somehow we are convinced that we now have to work for our salvation or earn God's favor in the things that we do. Because if my life is not looking right, if my life is not where I want it to be, then there must be something that I have to do. But hear me, that's not, that's not called the process of salvation. Listen. Listen. It's the process of discipleship. You're learning who you are each and every day. You're learning and discovering the newness that is already placed on the inside of you each and every day. You're learning. It's a privilege to discover everything that God has in store for me. The process of discipleship. Do you want to know what the process of discipleship involves? It involves renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. But here's, this is interesting because I've talked to many amazing people. And I've, I've had this answer for the last couple of years. We'll just change the way you're thinking. I'm, I'm sad. I'm worried. I'm, I'm depressed. Well, let's change the way we think. And, and let's really uh, think uh, uh, about how God sees us, that we're loved, and he's going to take care of us. That's so easy to come off my lips, but understand this. If you don't have a revelation of Jesus Christ, then you don't know what to think about. You don't know how to change your mind. I was saved from something, but I'm also saved to something. Are you getting me? And so while we say, hey, just change your mind or renew your thinking, some people don't know what to think about in the middle of their worried thoughts. And so... They stay in that place. As many of us, we've stayed in that place. I've stayed in that place of just being worried, of just being anxious and and, and fearful. But listen, 
I'm so thankful for Jesus today because he came to define what a relationship with God looks like, but he came to define our new life, our new nature as new creations in him. So now when I have a moment where I mess up or I make a mistake, listen, my thought, my first thought should be this. That's not who I am. I am a son of God. Let's move forward. That's faith. That's the journey of faith right there. And so our role is to receive and to respond. Can you say that with me? Receive and respond. We've done a good job at responding way before we even try to receive. When it comes to the lack in my life, if I have a need, if I have money issues, then I'm going to respond to those issues first before I even try to receive anything from God. If I have a relational issue, oh man, I'm going to fix it. So I'm going to, I'm going to respond way before I I try to receive anything. You know what happens? We end up hurting people and we end up uh, knocking down doors or going through doors of opportunity that aren't set for that time yet. And that's what happens. And that's why we have so much frustration in our life and confusion because we're not the ones that are taking the back seat. We're saying, hey, Jesus, come with me. I'm leading this thing. But what I've learned in my past few years as a parent as a husband, as a pastor, and it doesn't change for me, it's the same for all of us, is that most of my problems and issues and challenges of life, you know what they call me to do? Not to respond first, but to receive. And some of us need to sit down and, and be reminded that if you're not in control, then Someone else is, and if you're not in control, that's the best place to be. Why? Because you can put your full stock into what Jesus said about it. Okay, Romans 12.2 says it like this. This is Paul writing to the Roman church. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Stop. Do you want to know what the patterns of this world are? Good advice. The world gives good advice. Society gives good advice. Hey, do you want to know what the pattern of this world is? Religion. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but listen to what it says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There it is for us to read. Be transformed by learning what God thinks about you be transformed on being, by being reminded on what God says about your future. Oh, that's good. And it reminds me of something because if you haven't heard it, you're a three-part being. You are a body. Hello. You can kick. You can punch. Whatever. You can run. You can walk. You're a body. Physical body. You're also a soul and a spirit. Now, your body is everything that is, we see here. It's the physical, physical realm. When Paul says that you have been made into a new creation, do you want to know what part he's talking about? He's talking about your spirit, your inner man. Your spirit. 
God did something so significant on the inside of you, it's going to take a lifetime for you to actually get the full glimpse of it. I would say an eternity to get a full glimpse of it. We may never ever get to the depths of it, but we're on our journey. We're on our way. So God has some, did some, he has done something in our spirit so significant, but here's where the trouble comes for many of us, is our soul. Our soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Listen, as parents, we can teach our toddlers, don't be in your emotions. But I think God's the same way. He's like, come on, don't be in your emotions. I know what I have planned for you. <laughs> come on, it's time to get up. Like, there's so much in store for you, you don't even know. Like, can we get, let's get out of our emotions. But we're, we're led by our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so, here's what it comes down to. Many of us aren't living this victorious life. Do you know why? Because we've stopped renewing our mind to what Jesus has done in our spirit. We've stopped renewing the soulish part of us, right, to what has happened on the inside of us. Has anybody ever seen their spirit? Nope, you haven't. Don't try to answer that. You've never seen your spirit, ever. Ever. You know where you can get a glimpse of it? Seeing Jesus in the pages. It's not the pages themselves. They have good information and that's great. And actually, they, they tell a story of what Jesus did for us and how it's, some people say like a love letter, right? But if you can see Jesus in every story, in every page, then, then you can renew your mind. But, but as you do that, you're getting a glimpse of what your spirit looks like. You're getting a glimpse. And so this overall picture of our condition as new covenant believers, that is, our, that is the condition our, as a new covenant believer. And at this moment, listen, you are as righteous as you'll ever be. I'm going to say that again because that should get some of us happy in this place. At this moment, you are as righteous as you'll ever be. Is Jesus righteous, church? He is. And if he is in me, then I am as righteous as... I will ever be in this moment. But hear me, I'm not as mature as I'll ever be. I'm becoming mature, more mature in who I am in Christ. So hear me when I say this, is that our spirit is perfect, our bodies will be perfected, but our soul is being perfected. Our soul is perfect, righteousness. Our bodies will be perfected. Thank God for that, 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 that uh, glorified body, right? I believe mine's going to be 6'4", and I can dunk. That's my glorified body. But also this, that our soul is being perfected, meaning that we're renewing our mind. We're discovering Jesus and all of his promises each and every day. Every day, every day. Okay, so real quick, so how, how does this play out in my life? What does the new life look like? I'm glad you asked. What does the new life look like? Last week, we started talking about transformation, and we jotted down a few things. I'm going to give you a quick recap before we jump into number three and four. But the first one we talked about was this. He gives you a new paradigm. He gives you a new way to think. New covenant is a new way to think and relate to God. Right? It's a new way to think. It's the difference between Work-based discipleship versus grace-based discipleship. 
And I don't want to get into it today because we can spend all day on this. But the second one that he talks about is this, new power. Now, you have been given a new power. And a lot of us, a lot of us can't move forward because of the track record of our past. But hear me, Jesus came to give you a new past. You hear me? He came to give you a new past. Some of us are so trapped in our past, not realizing that there's freedom right around the corner. And so we say things like this. Well, if I was that back then and nothing's changed, I'm always going to be that. Well, if my parents were that, then I'm always going to be that. I'm always going to be broke. Past. Jesus came and he died for you and I, meaning that he gave his track record of perfect performance on the cross. He gave it to us. He credited it to us. And your track record of failure has been replaced by Christ's track record of faithfulness. Whoo, you got a new past. So your testimony should be like this. I did some stuff. But I'm so glad that I'm a new creation. Let's talk about my new creation now. I'm righteous. I'm holy. You should see the things that God is doing in my life. You should see the things that my family is experiencing right now. Oh, you're trying to talk to me about my past? Nope. I died with Christ, and now I have been made alive with him. And now let me tell you about some things that is going on in my, in my present and my future. Are you hearing me? We're so tied to our past that we can't move forward. Okay, here's the third one. Man, they put five minutes up. There's no way I'm going to make this. I'm going to try my best. Here we go. Number three, new process. Everybody say new. New New process. Okay. We love to talk about discipleship in the church, and I love it. But as new covenant people, we got to redefine what it is. Remember, new covenant discipleship is renewing the mind. It's continuing to renew the mind. And the old covenant, this is what discipleship looked like. Remember, a rabbi and a disciple, the relationship they had, it was all about becoming more like the teacher. Mimic the teacher, copy the teacher, say what they say, present it the way they present it, dress like them, be like them. And guess what? Some of us have tried that in different areas of ministry, different churches and in our past, and we've always failed. Why? Because you weren't meant to be a copy. Weren't. And so new covenant discipleship, guess what it does? It affirms that at the core of our new nature, we already are like the teacher. Oh, that's good news. Because you're starting from the finished place. And hey, you are united with Jesus. You are inseparably connected to his being and sharing in this life. And listen, We know that he has a special DNA. You could say that I have been made with that DNA as well. You have been made with that DNA yourself. And in essence, grace-based discipleship is about learning to practice what we already are on the inside. (sighs) Changes things, y'all. Matter of fact, it sounds a lot like enjoying life. Oh, wait a minute. It sounds like enjoying to discover who I really am and enjoying that expression of Jesus' life in me 
expressing it to the entire world to see. And what I mean by world is your circles, your families, your friends. What? Who wouldn't want that? But churches aren't teaching that. Because underlying, there, there's a message and there's an underlying message in everything they call a good sermon, which is this. Get to work. Earn your keep. Behave. Stay right. And then one day when we get to heaven, everything is going to be perfect. Didn't Jesus say, you will have trouble in this world. I'm not going to say you don't have trouble in this world. But Jesus even said, you will have trouble in this world. But be cheerful, a.k.a. enjoy. For I have overcome the world. If you're glad for that, come on, give Jesus some praise. Okay, I got to go quick. Okay, number four, here we go. Uh, New product. Everybody say new. There it is. Doesn't it feel good? New. I am a new creation. Okay, new product. As, go with me real quick. As a branch abides in a vine, it bears fruit. Think of a vineyard, right? As a branch abides in the vine, it produces, it bears fruit. So here's another statement that I'm going to make, and we're going to go through it just a, a bit today. But at Calvary, we look at spiritual maturity in terms of fruit bearing, not rule keeping. I'll say that again. At Calvary Church, we see your spiritual growth in terms of fruit bearing, not rule keeping. You want to keep rules? You must want religion. And I'm not saying we don't. But look what the scripture says. Paul explained it like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all fruit of the spirit, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen to this this next part. Against such things, there is no law. Meaning that you can't tell people, do this, do that, and it produces love, peace, kindness in their life. That's behavior. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to become something in order to look like something. But Jesus comes and says, abide, abide in the vine and you will bear much fruit. See, a lot of us, a lot of us are, uh, we have trouble in this area because we, we, people told us you, you have to, you have to do something. You have to get up. You have to show that you're approved. You have to be able to show that you're worth the blessing. You have to be able to show that you're worth the rescuing. You have to be able to show, are you desperate enough? Huh? Are you desperate enough, church? Have you cried enough? Are you mourning yet? Are you doing it yet? But we're not saying anything about Jesus and his life. So it's our job or function as a branch to produce fruit. Okay, let me say this. The, bran- the branch simply bears the fruit that is produced as a nourishing sap of the vine flows in and through it. Okay, Jesus never commanded his disciples to 
produce fruit. Did you know that? Jesus never said, yo, disciples, produce fruit. Do you want love, joy, peace, kindness in your life? You do, right? I think all of us do. Well, Jesus never commanded you, nor his disciples, produce fruit. You know what he, you know what he did command? Abide in me. The more that you and I stay connected to the living vine, the source of life, the source of love, peace, joy, kindness, can I tell you the product of that will manifest much fruit. And together we do it together and we get to learn about it and we get to abide together. So there's another question that we have to ask. What does it mean to abide in Christ? What does that even mean? Where's this living vine? Where's this charge up that I can get connected to? Where's this at? (laughs) Well, last week I made a statement that there is a difference between a believer and a disciple. Remember that? And listen to Jesus' own words, John 15, 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. You'll be my disciples. In other words, if you are a disciple, then you will bear fruit. Remember, Jesus is the source. So what does the word bear actually mean? It means to carry. Sort of like a bird. It means to carry. So our responsibility isn't to make the fruit. It is to carry the fruit. Listen, I know so many Christians, so many good, well-intended people that try to produce, 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 produce fruit. And, and, and sometimes there's some good things that come out of that trying, but it's not, it's not, it doesn't last long at all. The, the, the fruit that we are talking about lasts, and you know that it's from God, and you're reassured that it's from God, so you can live in it and enjoy it and experience it. And it's effortless. So how do we do that? Because that sounds really good. How do we do that? Now you ready? You abide in him. You abide in the vine. To abide literally means to live restfully and securely. You know what we have as I close today? You know what we have a lot of? Unrest. You know, we have a lot of uneasiness. You know, we have a lot of anxiety, depression. That's not restful or even being confident that you're secure in Christ. That's you taking on the worry and saying to yourself, I got it. When in truth, you don't got it. None of us do. That's our need for Jesus. None of us are good at being Christians. We should be good at trusting in Jesus. And so all we have is a lot of worry and anxiety. And so what we do is we make our home in those places. And we say, man, I hope he comes through this time. I hope he shows up. I hope it will happen for me. We make our home in those places. But, but listen to the invitation that Jesus gives. This is an invitation that 
I love reading every day. It's an everyday invitation. It's not just for Sunday morning, although Sunday mornings are great and they're awesome. But it's an everyday invitation. Because if you get down to the lack and the need and the worry that you have in your life, it comes down to this one thing. You just want to know and be able to take a deep breath knowing that it's taken care of. That's all you want. Jesus gave you that. Listen to it. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He did not say, I'm going to give you religion. He didn't say, I'm going to give you more rules. <laughs> he did not say, hey, I'm going to give and take back. He said, I'm going to give you rest. Right there, can you just take a deep breath? Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Listen to this. For I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And you will find rest. Here it is. For your soul your mind, your will, and emotion. It didn't say your spirit. It didn't even say your body because you can go to sleep for that. The remedy for your soul, your whacked out worried soul is Jesus' rest. Whew. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh man. Anytime you hear a gospel grace-filled Jesus message, you know what you should, you know how you should leave? Lighter, more freer, because Jesus is into taking things off of your shoulders, not putting things on. See, Jesus came to take things off. A good nose punching preacher puts burdens on you to do's. Hey, rules in discipleship. No, what if you just trust in Jesus' finished work? Says that, hey, you are a son, you are a daughter, you're righteous and you're holy, you're made in his DNA and you're the image of God today, not someday that you can enjoy today. You don't have to wait to heaven to be able to conquer things until you get to heaven because you can do them today. What an amazing invitation. Rest. Rest. You know what our Christian experience looks like? Heaviness. Heaviness. This is problematic because it means that one of two things are for certain. Either Jesus didn't know what he was talking about and he's crazy. Or many of us are failing to come to him in a way that he intended. And many of us have used religion without even realizing it to come to him. When he came to obliterate that whole system and he came to just open his arms out to each and every one of us and say, come to me. Come to me, everybody. If you're worried, if there's heaviness on you, 
Listen, I know the anxiety, the depression, they weigh on you, but listen, you're a new creation. That's not you anymore. Hey, uh, you're learning what to think about, so think on these things, my child. Think that you are connected to me, that I'm not far from you. Hey, even if there's bad in your life, I work all things together for your good. Why? Because I'm a good father, because I care for you, because I'm in the details of your life. Even your dreams that you have, those things that you got tucked away, those things that you said, I'm not good enough, I can't make it, how will I do it? I need money to make it happen. Listen, I have good things in store for you. Remember, grace saved you, grace keeps you, but grace also carries you. And I can't tell you how many times I realized after the fact that grace carried me. <laughs> I thought I was doing things to keep myself sane and in this journey. You know what it is? It's being aware. I think that's the key. I think when the Bible talks about opening up the eyes of the blind. It's becoming aware of what Jesus did for me and what Jesus did for you. Do you know that you can be a Christian and still not be aware of Jesus' finished work? Yeah. I think it's being aware because in Genesis, Jacob talks about after he saw a vision in his sleep, he saw a staircase to heaven, access. He said these words, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Can I tell you, although there's trouble and issues in your life, could it be that maybe you're in the best place you could ever be? And we're not aware of it. With every head bowed, every eye closed today. Lord, you're good. Help us be aware. Wow. Some of us have had close calls, but we made it. Some of us have experienced some traumatic things, but we're here. It's time to be aware that you're good and you're in our life. We're aware today. Open up our eyes to see every good thing that you have already done for us. But the exciting part is we get to discover way more. It doesn't stop here. Your grace never ends. The person of Jesus and his love for us never ends. It's all encompassing. It's ours from beginning to end. I just declare that over my friends today. I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.